Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time Podcast. I'm Luke Edwards, and Rob is on holiday this week, so he's sunning himself somewhere. Chris is away, and also Tom is away. So I've brought in one of the higher echelons of non-league punditry and editry. It's Alex Neri from the non-league paper. Hello, Alex. Hello, Luke. How are you doing? I'm really good, thanks. Thanks for joining us. And in terms of the National League, it's um, it's a bit of a crazy league again this year. Nobody seems to want to lead it. And again, there was some uh, there was some really good results and some slip-ups as well for other teams. Salford, they carry on. that. They seem to have really found their feet now, Alex, don't they, Salford? Adam Rooney's hat-trick down at Dover uh, gave them another win and keeps them top of the table. Yeah, they've really, they've really clicked into gear, haven't they? And um, I, I actually think the National League, um, as I've said a few times, this season, I think it's as strong as it's ever been, and, and, and in fact stronger. It just looks the, the top of the table, like that top seven. It just looks nailed on with class and a lot of depth and quality. So yeah, I think it's it's going to be a really really tough challenge. But Salford have really found the groove, and they've Adam Rooney's, uh, you know, certainly knows where the net is, and he, he's really found his form. Had a bit of a shaky start, Salford. I think there was a lot of praise heaped on them a lot of expectation people just expect them to come into it and blitz it but they'd recruited so many players in the summer and the pre-season was a busy one for them so you know finding their feet and finding that consistency was always going to be key for them but they've certainly done that now and they're, they're, they're just edged of those is clear at the top top of the National League but the likes of Leighton Orient the likes of Hartlepool um, Harrogate they all had big wins yesterday and Wrexham let's not forget Wrexham so that that top seven, that top five, six, seven is is just littered with quality, and it's going to be a really tough battle ahead. Yeah, I know a couple of us predicted late in Orient to uh, win the league this year. I think what Justin Edinburgh did in the second half of the season sort of made us go towards that, and they're certainly um, they're going to be Salford's biggest challenges. I think. I mean, I spoke to Matt Badcock on the opening day of the season. We actually said this could be the six pointer in terms of this will be the top two. Really, who's going to go for the title? And Leighton Orient, they're still there. Good two, no win at Maidenhead. Yeah, I, the, I think the thing with, with Orient last year is that they lost games that you should never ever use this term on paper, but they lost games that they just really they, they should never have lost, and that they. they, they I think they they threw away three points quite often where they, they they got the noses in front one goal two goal, but they just didn't have the the, the defensive um, kind of shape to, to to keep teams out. They've really sorted that out this season. I know they lost last week against Sutton, but they bounced back in style yesterday at Maidenhead, which then that's not an easy game away from home. They've got some really good firepower there. McCauley Bond is a kind of linchpin as he was last season, but they've built the team around him now. And they just look a very solid side. And uh, as you say, Justin Edinburgh came in uh, second half of last season. The, the league was a, was, a, was a lost cause, really. It was just about consolidating and, 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 and building for this season. Had a decent run in the, in the FA Trophy. Like a lot of clubs that have come down to the National League, uh, the likes of Hartlepool um, and, and the likes of, of Wrexham too, even though Wrexham have been down here for a while, but clubs that have got out of the league recently, like Tranmere, like Lincoln, you know, these are, these are football league clubs who, who have slipped into non-league and are just trying to turn themselves around and get back to where they where they are or where they were. So, um, I, you know, I think it's going to be very very tough for Leighton Orient still to win the league because I think Salford have just found their gears now, and I think they could just keep moving through them. And I think come January, if Salford need to find a sixth gear, I think they have the the, the means to go out and do that. 
Um, but I do think that Leighton Orient will, will be the big challenge for them. And the, the playoffs this season, the, the top seven, which was brought in last season, the top seven this season is going to be so strong. So, um, yeah, great, great, great season ahead in the National League. It, it, it started off all guns blazing, and I think it's going to continue. One of the teams who were surprising in third, I mean, we all thought Harrogate would do okay this year, but they've only lost one game. They're up in third place. Have they certainly surprised you? Do you know what I haven't? If I'm being completely honest with you, I, 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 I always thought that they could come up and, and hold their own first and foremost. I never thought that they were going to come up and struggle. Let's be honest with you, they've got some money there, so they, they, they can go out and get the players. It's an attractive club for players to go to as well because it's got its ambitions and the money that they've got. Got a fantastic manager as well. You know, Simon Weaver's been there a long time. He knows what he's doing. He's allowed to crack on with things in his own way, so I think the actual the, the, the makeup of the club um, is is very solid, and it's it's the kind of place that players, aspiring young players and players coming down from the football league would look at that club and think, I'd like to go there. That, that's somewhere I would like to play my football. So I'm not that surprised. Um, I always and don't forget this is a club that traded blow for blow with Salford last season. I know Salford have invested heavily in the summer and they've become, become even stronger. But this is a Harrogate side that really did punch above its weight in the National North last season, which is a very, very tough, seat, tough league to get out of. They did that very confidently, and I can see them staying in that top six and seven for the season. I don't think they've got the, the, the firepower to, to challenge the top two in the long run, but I think they'll just be there, and I think they'll chip away, and, and, and they will... They, I would be very, very surprised if they floated out of the playoffs uh, come May. I, I think they are they are nailed on for a top seven finish. One team that may drop out are Solihull Moors, although they keep surprising every week. They did fall to defeat at Barnet on Saturday, but Solihull had an incredible season so far, and they kind of carried on the the run of form that they had from the end of last season. Yeah, well, they were dead and buried this time last year. They were, I think, they were they were they were bottom, or they were certainly among the bottom crop of teams around Christmas and it just looked all over for them but they had a fantastic second half of the season and Tim Flowers has come in in, in, in the summer and the start of the season and he's reignited them again and they look they look a decent side they've turned over some, some pretty strong sides as well look decent on the road pretty solid away from home too they just I think they're the kind of side that will, that will win a couple, lose one maybe win three more on the bounce then lose a couple mm-hmm. they the Maybe their, their kind of inconsistency, um, in, in a strange way, it could actually be one of their plus points. The, the teams, you, you never quite know what you're going to get with Solihull, but they've certainly improved on, on, on last year and um, absolutely no danger of them um, going down this term. I think they look far, far too good. Um, in fact, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about the bottom of the table shortly, but the bottom of the table looks... Um, the, the teams that are down there look like that. they might be down there for the season themselves. It, it's turning into a bit of a dogfight. But no, Solihull have, have impressed me, and, and, and so is Tim Flowers, actually. We spoke to him a few weeks ago in the non-league paper. Top guy, brings a lot of professionalism to that club. Um, very ambitious, obviously knows the market, the football market, um, as well as anyone having played at the, the, the very highest level. So, no, it's great. And I think it's great for non-league football and the National League to, to, to get these names, these names who are coming down and, and managing and, and, and managing in, in, the, in the top division of, of, of non-league football and realising how good it is. And I, I'm all for 
these these bigger managers coming down and and, and starting their trade and, and getting getting things going in their managerial career, managerial career down in in the national league. I think it's great for the non-league game. Yeah, I mean, you've seen it with like Matt Janssen, you've seen John Macken further down at step four, Radcliffe Borough, and it is a good ground, and it kind of maybe opens her eyes a little bit to that standard of football and that level of football as well. Yeah, well, you've got Julian Dix, uh, former West Ham and uh, Liverpool legend, who, well, more West Ham legend, I think he'd be fair to say, but he joined Haybridge Swift this week. So it, it manages, you know, these guys, they've got a lot to offer the game. And they, they don't want to be sitting at home on a Saturday or playing golf. They want to be living and breathing the game of football. So non-league football is... They're, they're, they're realising, and I think, to be honest with you, they realise anyway, a long time ago, that non-league football, uh, it brings so much to the game and there's a lot to offer down here. So, yeah, I'm all for it uh, and long may it continue. What do you think of Hartlepool, Alex? They've kind of been flirting in and out of the playoffs so far. They, they won 2 0 against Boreham Wood on Saturday, and they're back in the playoffs now after a couple of sticky results. Yeah, I, I think they will be there or thereabouts. Again, another club that has, has really turned the vessel um, around from, from last season. All the problems they had at the football club last year, nobody thought that the football club was even going to be there this term. And if it was, it might not have been in the National League. It, National League, it might have been way down at step five and then starting again. But Matthew Bates has, has come in there, young manager, first managerial job, brought a lot of professionalism to the side. And what he's done is he's gone out there and recruited guys who he knows have done it before at this level. So the signing of Liam Noble in the summer, that for me was the signing of the summer. And I know Adam Rooney and Danny Lloyd at Salford made all the headlines. But the signing of Noble, to me, that, that was the, the, the signing of the summer because two years ago at Forest Green Rovers, he was the best player in the league. And he lifted Forest Green Rovers into the Football League. I know you should never say one player does it on their own, mm. and they don't. But without that kind of that focal point, that, that player to build a team around, um, a lot of clubs won't have the same same level of success. So Bates went out there and bought Noble. He's been the signing of, of, of the season. And I just think with a guy like him in the team who makes it tick, box to box, uh, dead ball specialist, you've always got a chance. I think Hartlepool will just be will, will be there or thereabouts. I think I've talked about that top seven. I just think they're very strong. Yes, they'll, 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 they might lack the consistency of a Leighton Orient and a Salford. But you know, make no bones about it; they'll be there at the end of the season. It, it promises to be an absolute, you know, storming season ahead of us. It really does. Yeah, Liam Noble's been picked out, I think, by Adam Virgo on this podcast, and certainly Tom and, and Rob picked him out as one of the players to watch. And indeed, you've backed that up as well. So, it'd be interesting to see if you can fire Hartlepool further up. Just before we look further down the table, filed there in the playoffs, but they do love a nil-nil away from home at the minute, Alex. I think that's a third nil-nil on the trot away from home. They score goals at home for fun, and it, it's a bit of a strange one, really. I saw them at Halifax the other week, and they, they dominate possession without creating loads. They had a, a one off the bar, which maybe could have been given as a goal. But apart from that, they didn't create loads, and it's a bit of a strange one for filed. Yeah, it's a bit of a funny one, Luke, because on a... On a Saturday night when we're putting the paper together and we're putting the team of the day together and we're looking at all the results coming through and, and I'm sort of flitting between match reports, the name Danny Rowe is always, it, it comes up everywhere. You know, he scored two goals, he scored another hat-trick, he's going in the team of the day, he's the man of the match for file. But, uh, and, and I stand to be corrected here, but I just, 
I haven't heard that buzz around his name lately. The, 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 the same as I was at the start of the season. Mm. Um, this is where you come on and you tell me that you scored a hat trick last week or you scored two goals the week before. But I just, I just haven't heard that buzz around the name Danny Rowe in the last few weeks. And I think that you know when he ticks, when he's on fire, Father a different side. Father a funny side because if you look at last season, I think there were a couple of weeks. It was either back to back or we were in a short space of time where Macclesfield went there and got beaten 6 0. Oldershot went there and got beaten 7 1. Both those teams finished above Fylde in the table. I mean, yeah. Fylde made the playoffs, but both those teams finished above them in the, in the table. And of course, Macclesfield won the league. So they've got the firepower and they've got the ability to, to turn teams over at will. But like you say, away from home, they're like a 0 0 nil, nil draw, which, to be honest with you, is no bad thing. Um, oh. I, I read the report yesterday on the Chesterfield game. It, it sounded like it was a bit of a drab affair, and Chesterfield themselves are struggling at the moment. I think they would—they're in that situation, Chesterfield, where they would almost take that point yesterday. They just need to get back on their feet, and they need to slow things down a little bit. AFC Files—they—they they are another team that I think will, will be there or thereabouts. They could float in, a, in and out of the playoffs, and don't discount somebody like a Sutton United either. They'll—they'll they'll certainly be. Um, be punching above their weight so to speak this season yeah you, you teed it up nice for Chesterfield I'm going to come on to them in a minute but talking of Sutton they're a funny team as well because they, they seem to be you like see a late Orient they'll go and um, win really well at Boreham Wood but then they'll go to somewhere like Barrow and, and slip up no disrespect to Barrow we're just comfortably mid-table but you're looking at that to start the day and you're thinking well Sutton are going to get something there and, and they slipped up but it's a tough league it, 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 it really is it, I, I've we underestimated Sutton throughout last season really if I'm being honest with you I always felt that they would slip out of the playoffs they never did um, they're, they're such a strong side and they're a very strong side at home uh, on their 3G pitch going to Barrow and losing hey listen you know, Barrow need to get that, the bite back in their home performances Barrow need to make that ground that Holker Street a, 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 a tough place to go again a place where nobody wants to go. A couple of seasons ago, when they went on that, I think they went on a 23-game unbeaten run. It, it was it was their home form that, that dictated that. People didn't didn't want to go to Barrow on a Tuesday night. They didn't want to go there on a Saturday. It was such a tough place to go, a tough environment, very very cold in the middle of winter. Um, yeah, Sutton going there yesterday and losing. No shame at all, to be honest with you. I I think Sutton again. They will they will churn out the results. Their home form will will, will keep them uh, above mid table. And once you once you're above mid table, or even when you're in mid table, this new this this seven playoff scenario, it brings so many more teams into it. Uh, it's I'm I'm really really a big advocate for the for the for the seven uh, teams in the playoff spots. I know it caused a bit of controversy a couple of years ago when it when it was mentioned and it first came in, but it's just made the league so much more competitive. And come April, when those teams who before would have been floating around in mid-table, who maybe didn't have anything to play for, it's it's almost like that it keeps their season going for another couple of games, yeah. and everything just becomes more competitive. Every game has more more um, more, more hanging on it. So yeah, listen, Sutton will will, will certainly be there. Um, and Gateshead, and, and, and again, a, a funny side who nobody really would have had an eye on at the start of the season had all these problems off the pitch too Steve Watson's galvanised them this season and they're just floating around uh, 
floating around the playoff spots as well. So it's competitive. Every game is competitive. The National League, as I said, is it's tougher now than it's ever been. Everything's tri- trickled down from the top of top level level of football. The Premier League's got stronger. The Championship's got stronger. League One, League Two, and everything's trickling down into the National League and below. And it's just getting tougher and tougher. So. No team has a divine right in this division to, to win every game. Even at home or away, you, you, can, you can go somewhere and turn somebody over. Uh, and, and that's kind of one of the good things about this league, that there are no egos. Mm. Everybody knows the, the, the job that needs to be done, and it's very, very tough and very competitive. And we should really be grateful for that. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, you, you kind of know what you're going to get from each game, don't you? That's a tough, tough encounter. And as you said, if you take your eye off the ball, you are going to get beaten. Talking of Gateshead, they finally got a home win, the first one in a, in a couple of months against Dagenham and Redbridge. But you mentioned Chesterfield before, Alex Volodar saying it in recent weeks. And there was a really interesting interview with Martin Allen in, in, in your paper last week with Ian Ridley. And he's come out fighting Martin Allen. He thinks he can do a tram here and fly at the table. Now, could that 0-0 draw with filed on Saturday kind of be a turning point you know they got back to basics they've, they've kept a clean sheet they've not lost and do you think they could look at that and go hey we've competed with file now let's let's push on now well what Martin Allen did in the summer which impressed me and that wasn't writing his own press releases on the club's website mm. or anything like that what, what really impressed me about what Martin did when he came in was he, he recruited very well from non-league clubs a little bit like the Neam Noble signing that, that Bates did at Hartlepool he went out and bought players that he knew were up to the job of playing and being successful in the National League. He didn't go out there and buy football league players with egos who didn't want to be there, who probably had more skill and more ability and, and could shine on the big days. But he went out there and got guys who could roll their sleeves up and go to the likes of Barrow and, and, and go to the likes of Gateshead and know that they had to muck in and really get involved to get to scrap for a point. Um, the, the team just hasn't gelled and it just hasn't found its feet and after winning their first three games he's being held as the messiah he's being held as the the, the, the fountain of knowledge of, of non-league football he's been in this league before he's won this league before he knows what it takes they just hit they literally hit a brick wall mm. and I think they lost the next six or seven games I think since then they've taken a possible three or four points from the next 36. Now that's relegation fodder in any money. To say that Martin's clinging on, I, want, I, want to, I don't want to do him a disservice, but he's, it would appear that he is, he is clinging on. But as he said to Ian Ridley in the interview last week, he's very confident that he has the backing of the board. And I think if you lose the amount of games that he has in the short space of time, that and he's still in the job, it would appear that he has got the backing of the board. I, I do look back at Tranmere this time last year. I think it was about, it was probably about November where I, I put a tweet out. I think, and I think that they'd lost another game, and I really believe that Mickey Mellon was one game away from going. Mm. And I just said, it just takes a couple of results, and that squad is good enough to climb the ladder and to climb into the, set, into the top seven and, and get into the playoffs. Um, now, they went on this fantastic run and they just steamrolled over everybody in the second half of the season. And come May, they, they weren't just in the playoffs, but they were the only team who were really challenging Macclesfield mm. to go up automatically. So it, this, this new playoff structure opens the door for so many more clubs. 
it's not just the fact that there are two more places it's the fact that every game becomes that there's, there's, there's something hanging on every game right up until the last weekend now I think that Chesterfield hand on heart if I'm sitting here now I don't think they're going to get into the playoffs because I think the season a little bit like Hartlepool and a little bit like Leighton Orient who were new guys in the league last year, last year I think it's going to turn into a season of consolidation I think it's going to take them too long to turn things around whereas Tranmere had been in the league before and they knew it was ahead of them when they had to go to places like Solihull Moors they, they, it's new territory for Chesterfield and even though Martin Allen has great National League experience I think it will just take time but what I don't want to see is I, don't want to, I really don't want to see Martin Allen lose his job the National League needs, it needs guys like him it needs managers um, who bring a bit of colour who bring entertainment who, who, who yes he might say some strange things and yes he might not be everyone's cup of tea but I'm a, I'm a big Martin Allen fan and I just hope that Chesterfield stick by him um, I think this season is now going to turn into a season of consolidation as I've said but you know, I just believe that there's there's a lot more to come from him and a lot more to come from Chesterfield. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because he did say if they get in the playoffs and up near the top, they'll be getting eight, nine, possibly ten thousand. Me and Rob went there and the, the first home game of the season, they played Aldershot and they wiped the floor with Aldershot, and we both went, "Wow!" I think we've seen uh, a team who's going to go up, and there was I think there was six or seven thousand there that evening, and he really got behind the team, and it really made a difference. And you feel that. Like you said, they can get a couple of good results, build a bit of momentum, and those crowds come back. That they could be a force, couldn't they? Well, yeah, and and they they will pull in the crowds. There's no doubt about it. If they start finding the results and they start finding form, I, I do wonder as well that uh, of those players he's recruited in the summer, who I think there's some some really good, good guys in there, the likes of of, of Will Evans. But I, I just wonder if if it's just a couple of players that aren't working out for him. And I don't really know this, Luke, because I'll be hand on heart. I haven't seen them play this season. I haven't mm. been to Chesterfield. Um, as you know, I'm kind of locked in, indoors on a Saturday afternoon <laughs> doing other things. So getting out to watch any kind of football is is a rarity on a Saturday. So I haven't seen Chesterfield play. But from what I've heard is they're just they're just a few yards off the pace, and that might just be a couple of players that aren't working out. Um, I've heard a few people question the style of Martin's football. I've heard a few people say that you know that style's been left behind, and other teams have, have worked it out. But I've also heard some people say that that they've played really well, even in some of the games they've lost. And I've heard most people say, as you just alluded to there, those first three games of the season, they looked like absolute world beaters. I think they went to um, I think they went to Ebbsfleet on the first day, one one nil, like you say, beat older shots. So there, in those first first couple of games, they'd beaten two playoffs teams from last season so I just think it's it's the small margins we're looking at and, I, and yeah, so if they've got a win yesterday a 1-0 win apparently they played well last week at Maidstone so it's, it's going to be a slow process ahead for them but they can turn the corner but I, I just feel that hand on heart I think promotion might be might be out of their reach this year but Martin's fully entitled to, to have the belief and, and to say that because they could easily go on a run and if they go on a positive run and get the crowds there, get the crowds in the Proax Stadium, then you know who knows that they, they could they could march up the table quickly. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see how they do, or if they either do that or do a York, maybe potentially. Do you think they could do a York and drop back to back relegations? Oh, 
that's a tough one. Um, I, I don't. I mean, yes, I do. I think they do. They could do, and uh, but I, I don't think they will because I'm looking at that table. And in fact, I'm looking at that table right now. I, I see three teams down there who are really, really struggling for me. That's Braintree, Dover, and Dagenham and Redbridge. Be interesting to see what happens at Dover after Chris Kinnear left the club on, on Friday and who they bring in. But I, I, I think there's some teams down there who are, who are really going to struggle. Uh, I, I think the likes of Chesterfield and Aldershot, and Aldershot have surprised so many people by, by their slips this season, but they are now on, on the rise a little bit. I think they've won back-to-back games. I, I, I can just see them creeping away. I can just see them getting out of that, out of that danger zone and the likes of Dagenham, Dover, Braintree, Haven and Waterlooville, uh, Maidenhead potentially as well. I think it's going to be very, very difficult for those clubs to sustain a run that, that, that gets you out of that drop zone. Because as you know, once you're down there, you win a game and you think, great, we've turned the corner. Before you know it, you lose your next three and you go nowhere. So uh, I think Chesterfield have the, have the means to, to chip away a, a bit faster than, than the guys below them are. I do worry for Braintree. Uh, obviously for Braintree and Dover and, and Dagenham and then there's there's one more space up for grabs not that anyone wants it but you know the, the bottom four as it looks now haven't Dagenham, Dover and Braintree I, I, I would worry for those four teams I really would It's interesting we, we can't, you've kind of teed it up nicely again for me this but Dover um, they they got rid of Chris Kinnear during the week we, we spoke about it really and um, we've had messages from Dover fans saying that he should be given more time even a Bramley fan tweeted us this week saying that he's 60 miles away but it looks like it's a, he said it's a short-sighted and wrong decision farm is temporary and that's from Bramley we're local rivals with Dover uh, and, it, and then today uh, as we record this podcast Brainger have announced that they've released Brad Quinton he's a club legend but they've, they've basically released him from his duties at Braintree so Clubs are starting to panic now and get rid of managers. I mean, Chris Kinnear, he's been there for ages, and I use the phrase turning water into wine, which he has done over the last two or three seasons. And what I want to know, Alex, is really what, where do you think Dover's ambitions lie? Because you read stuff on Twitter and people say, well, Kinnear's, Chris Kinnear's got to go because the club's ambitious, but then he's having to rebuild his squad every season, and this season it's just not quite worked for him. Yeah, it's a good point, and I, I always question clubs' ambitions a little bit like Maidstone a few weeks ago when Joe, when, when, when Joe Saunders left the club you just think to yourself you know, seriously what are your ambitions do you think you're going to get into League, league 2 do you think you're going to climb through the leagues and, 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 and you have to question some of these decisions the, the, the Kinnear um, departure I think it's a very strange one uh, what he's done for that club uh, and, 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 and ways brought them together and made them a National League force I think it was only a year ago they were top they were top of the national league a year ago, so that they, they've had they've got the muscle there, and they've got. The, the, it's I think it's a difficult place to recruit players for, for Chris, and I, I feel pretty sorry for him in that respect. It's probably not um, the most appealing club to go to, a little bit isolated, but I think they've done wonderfully. I think he's done wonderfully well there to to make them this consistent force in the national league, and like I say, last season. They floated around the, the, the top of the table for quite a while and just missed out on the playoffs. It's tough. It's difficult. It, it's a tough, tough league. And um, I think they've won one game this season and it, it's not looking good for them, as I've just alluded to. I think they are going to be down there 
for the season it's going to be a right dog scrap to get out of it but it'll be interesting to see who who Lee Harding uh, sorry not so Lee Harding but who Dover thinks will, will, will bring in as a replacement I mentioned Lee Harding because I spoke to Lee Harding the Braintree chairman last night because we had got wind of of, of Brad Quinton potentially leaving the club and you know Lee mentioned that uh, that, that was a, a possibility but he didn't want to uh, he didn't want to mention anything about it because, or he certainly didn't want to go go, go on the record officially yeah. and mention anything about it because it hadn't been hadn't been sorted out and they were still in in, in discussions with with Brad Quinton. But that's been confirmed this morning that he's gone. Uh, that doesn't surprise me because when a club's rooted to the bottom of the table uh, with, with with six points from fifteen games, you you have to you have to start looking at making a change. I think my defence of these clubs who are getting rid of managers. At this time of the season, it's it's kind of stick or twist time. You get to October, and you see that you're struggling, and you see that you've got six points from 15 games. It was in Braintree, Braintree's case is the point. Chairman and the boards are looking at that and thinking, if we're going to make a change, we've got to make it now. If we want to rescue our season, if we were any hope of getting out of this, we need to make a change now, and we need to make a managerial change, and that's what. That's what Braintree have done, and that's what Dover have done. I don't agree with the Dover move, to be honest with you. Um, Braintree move on paper would probably seem a little bit fairer, but um, it's tough. It, I, I, I feel for managers, one week you're, you're being hailed, and the next minute people are throwing stones at you, so it's, it's, it's a tough, tough business. But it's professional football, or it's, it's semi-professional football for a lot of these clubs. A lot of these clubs are full-time. Um, I know Dover aren't, but it's the demands of these clubs um, are very tough. And, and chairman and, and, and boards, they want success. And Braintree, who came up last season, really through the back door in National League South, they would have certainly hoped to, 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 to challenge more this season. There hasn't been much of a challenge there. Every week it just seems to be that they've fritted away quite easily. They've, they've been turned over far too often too easily. So... Yeah, it's stick or twist time, and, and, and chairman are just looking now to, to make those changes before it's too late, I guess. In terms of the Braintree one, I mean, it is. do you think he's shown too much loyalty to players? I know Tom said at the start of the season that he's basically, he basically invited back the whole squad that got got them promoted out of, out of the National League South, and it's not really worked for him, and he's slowly started to make some changes, but maybe it was too late. The horse had bolted a little bit by the time he made those changes, and ultimately it's cost him his job. Yeah, it's admirable that he did that. Yeah. Now, I think they were the only club to benefit from this top seven playoff scenario in the respect that um, I can't quite remember where they finished last season in, in, the, in, the, in National League South, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't second, third or fourth. So they kind of snuck into that top seven playoff uh, spot and then surprised everybody by, by going all the way through and, and beating Hampton and Richmond Borough in the final. So... It's admirable what he's done, and we're all, we're, we're always that that's as, as football fans, and me and you are football fans. At the end of the day, hmm. we like to see that in football. We like to see those stories where a, a manager's sticking his neck out for the players that have done the work for him before. I think it's great, that, 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 and 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 it's a it's a great story. But in the hard nosed world of the national league, no one cares about nice stories like that, and the likes of Salford and Leighton Orient and, and Harrogate who came up from step two last year 
the turnover of players to challenge and whether you're challenging at the top of the table challenging to get into the playoffs challenging for a mid-table or challenging just to survive everybody has different objectives they all have to do the same thing and that's recruit well and recruit the right type of players for each objective that they've got to meet and I just feel that Braintree like you say it was admirable that, that, that he did that that he showed faith in that squad that squad probably realistically just wasn't good enough to, to punch away in the National League and survive and uh, the changes that have been made since like you say a little bit too too little and too late and I, I think being really really harsh it, it probably cost Brad his job and um, I just hope that he can uh, he, he can find another club because he, he's a great servant to the game and a great servant to non-league football. Just before we move on to look at the FA Cup results, um, Dagenham are a club that you featured a lot in your paper over the last few weeks because the rumoured takeover, they now have been taken over. Uh, it's, it's that awkward time of year where they'll struggle to bring in players, they'll have a bit of money and they'll probably be able to use it in January, but will it be too late by then? Yeah, again, I, a, a club I fear for, they, they, they just couldn't they couldn't find any any consistency or, or level footing in in the early weeks of the season all, all the problems uh, that were that were going on away from football and, and and news around the takeover that's been sorted out now so now they've they've got to get down to the business of of winning football games and and, and getting points on the board it's a difficult one um i know john john still left the club at the end of last season and like a lot of managers do, when they leave a club, they know what's worked worked with them and worked for them at that club, and they take players with them. And I think John took, I think it was five or six. You know, he's not going to take average players to Barnet with him. Mm. He's taken five or six excellent players that he knows and trusts. So Dagenham had to rebuild. They had to start again. Had to start again, probably with not much money on the table. So attracting those players in the summer was always going to be difficult for Peter Taylor now they've got the ownership sorted out and there might be more funds available it might become more of a, an attractive proposition for new signings but it's very it's like I say once you're down there it's so so tough and recruiting players to go and and and, and you know muck in in a, in a relegation dogfight is, is very difficult to do you need a, a real certain type of, of player and character so it, it's it will be tough for Dagenham, um, hand on heart. I, I, I could see them being down there all season, so uh, t- tough times ahead for them. But I am delighted that the takeover has been sorted out and that they can at least now look ahead uh, to a future that, that, that might have some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. Let's hope they, uh, they can get themselves out of it by some minor miracle. They've got good experience in Peter Taylor there. I'd love to chat to you about the National League all day, but I'm conscious of, of, of time and everything like that. So we'll move on to the FA Cup. It was the FA Cup third qualifying round yesterday, and there was a lot of there was a lot of shocks around, but we'll go, start off with the biggest winners of the day, who were Bill Ricky Town. They beat Whitehawk 9-1 at home. Jake Robinson only got the two goals yesterday, but again, another team you've covered a lot in your paper for obvious reasons. I love to use the word sir, but what, what do you make of it all uh, around the club at the minute? You must have had a lot of dealings with them over the past few months. Yeah, if I'm honest with you, Luke, I, I quite like talking about the fact they win a game of football 9-1 because that, that's what we should be talking about and we, we report on that and that's what the fans want to, want to hear. But the last six weeks, and you hit the nail on the head, it's been a circus. The, the, the sacking of Harry Wheeler and the way that happened as well. Mm. And you just—it's it, just 
it's not it doesn't send out a good message uh, about non-league football the way I think that club is run they've gone out now they've, they've recruited Dean Brennan he's a manager who will get them results they should get results anyway to be honest with you with the squad of players they've got and the budget that they've got there um, it's it, it's just been a circus the last five or six weeks Glenn putting the club up for sale was he really ever going to put sell the club I'm not sure what message he was trying to send out there it, it almost felt to me like he was putting the club on the market with a view to maybe it not being an attractive purchase for somebody to come in and take on that football club with all the wage bill that, that, that's there and uh, so it, it probably never that, that the sale of the club was never really going to materialise I think it was just Glenn sending out a message that he had the club's best interest at heart he's not going anywhere he's staying there they've recruited Dean Brennan as I said and they'll just rumble on and they'll, they'll keep turning teams over they'll, 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 they'll remain at the top of National League South I think they'll probably get promoted and the Billericay Circus just keeps on rolling um, but yeah it, it's, it's, a, it's a funny one I, I could talk all day about it but to be honest with you I don't don't really want to <laughs> because um, yeah. it's just you know it, we, we talk about them so much and I just think there are, are, are other clubs out there that are far um, worthy of, of, of our, our, our efforts in print and probably the airtime too yeah, well, indeed, one of those will be Charlie. They avoided an FA Cup upset down at the Heroes of the last round, Peterborough Sports. But Charlie, I mean, what an amazing season they're having, Alex. I think they've only conceded four goals in the league. They've not yet lost a game, and they're absolutely flying. No, they've done some wonderful stuff. They just, they not only have they only conceded four goals in the league, but I think they've scored twenty five or twenty six. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at. The, I'm not looking at the table, but they're they're they're, they're, they're breezing it in terms of goals scored and they're, they're breezing it in terms of goals conceded as well so they're, they're both bases covered they look really strong uh, and I just feel that once you get when, once you march to the top of the table it, even in October and you open up that gap you, you're sending it you're sending out a message to the teams below you to say you know come and get us you, you, you've got to come to us and turn us over you can't just come here and, and, and play for a point so yeah I think the Magpies uh, you know the, the, the flying at the top of National League North and that they'll be there all season but good result for them yesterday a real tricky one at Peterborough Sports you know they were the, they were the, um, the heroes of, of, of the last round uh, and a potential, potential banana skin avoided for them so good on them yeah, most of the upsets happened involved the National League North teams. I mean, the biggest one for me that stood out was Brackley losing at home to Marina. with 3-0 down to Marina at half-time. They fought back, but eventually it wasn't enough. And Brackley had that amazing home record. I don't think we could see that coming. No, absolutely not. I think Brackley at home, you would have you would have thought they would be nailed on. But don't forget Dunstan as well, turning Chester over. Mm. Uh, it's a bit of a, it's a tough old day for some, for some of the National League, uh, National North sides. But... It's the FA Cup, and I sometimes do wonder with the likes of Brackley and the likes of Chester. They they, they will all tell you that the cup means so much to them. Oh, they 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 will they will always say that. But just looking at the, the Chester defeat, and I know Anthony Johnson and Bernard Morley, they never want to lose a game of football. But I I just feel that they would have probably woken up this morning, and they would be disappointed to lose that game. But they would probably be thinking, mm, you know what? Is it the worst thing in the world that we're out of the FA Cup? Is it? Is it? Would I be feeling as, as you know, as disappointed if 
if we'd have gone to Chorley last week and got turned over and we lost more ground on the leaders. Mm. So it, it, it's a, we, we all love the FA Cup and, and everybody wants to be in it and you never want to lose a game of football and clubs at this level give the cup the respect it deserves. They, they don't send out weakened teams but in the aftermath of, of defeat is it as hard to take as, as losing a crucial six-pointer in a league I don't think it is. That's just my personal opinion. I think the likes of there's that, there's that a bottleneck in the league to, to get to get out of the National League North and National League South and the National League Premier too. But it's just teams are just desperate for promotion. They're desperate to climb the league ladder. So um, the FA Cup is is probably secondary to that. But no doubt about it. Great results for Dunstan. Let, for Dunstan at the UTS, we, we can't rule out the, the efforts that these teams make, and 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 you know, they, we should celebrate the, the the achievements of these teams. It's fantastic. I mean, with you saying about the sort of the, these teams up near the top of the National League North, in particular, uh, with the cup results. I mean, would that apply to Kidderminster? They've they've been done now by Stourbridge twice in the last three years at Stourbridge. Jimmy O'Connor gave a good interview to the club's official YouTube page yesterday, and he, he looked absolutely distraught with that and was really angry and upset. But again, Kidderminster trying to chase Charlie down at the top. Would that be the worst result in the world from in the long run? If you're asking me, hand on heart, I I, I believe that. Again, nobody wants to lose a game of football. For the, for the smaller clubs at step four and step three, it, it's huge because the financial gains uh, mean so much more to those clubs. Kidderminster, a team that I look at in National League North every week and just think to myself, how are they still there? How are they still in this league? Such a great footballing side who pull in the crowds and obviously ex-football league. They, they, their fans want to see them progress they want to see them getting to the National League and beyond of course they want to win games of football and they want to win the FA Cup games and they want to march on but they know the journey will end at some point um, but they know that the journey of, of, of the league and the National League North that ends in May and they want to be in the playoffs or punching away at the top and, and challenging surely as you say so uh, listen, it, it, it's, a, it's a difficult one. Again, congratulations to Stourbridge. We should celebrate the victory rather than the defeat. And I think what they did to, you know, to, to hold off Kidderminster yesterday, a win 3-2, was fantastic. But I just think that there are so much, there's so much now placed on, on, on league form and on, on, on promotion in the leagues that chairman, boards and managers, that's where their, I think that's where their emotions go. I think that's where when they wake up on a Sunday and they've had a good league result that, that really does make or break them a little bit and I think the FA Cup it might just be seen as a bit of a bonus to, to, to some clubs now I'm not for a second saying that they downplay it or they, they don't give it the respect mm. it deserves they really do but at the end of the day winning their league and, and, and having success in the league that's really what it all boils down to yeah, teams that seem to win the league seem to get knocked out of the cup earlier and as much as it, it probably does hurt them, it probably does, as you say, help them in the, in the long run. The team who got knocked out yesterday were Bradford Park Avenue. They lost by four goals to two at Altrincham and after the game, Richard Scott caught up with the Bradford Park Avenue manager, Mark Bauer. Thanks for joining us on the NL full time. It's finished at Altrincham 4, Bradford Park Avenue 2. Are you disappointed to have gone out the FA Cup in the manner you did? Yeah, well, disappointed to have gone out. Um, I don't think we we played as well as we have been doing recently. Um, but you know they they had a lot of the ball 
throughout the game really but I don't think they overly hurt us I thought we were um, you know, dealing what they had to throw at us and obviously we were 2-1 in front and a, a refereeing decision a, a, an absolute joke of a refereeing decision has um, led to us conceding an equaliser which I think completely changed the game just before half time even then the second half it were I don't think either either team looked like scoring early on, but we we got done with a switch off on a set piece, and um, ultimately that you know that were, were a key key moment in the two key moments in the game, and, and that led to us uh, not being able to to get anything back. And you lost Luca Haven at half time. Uh, at this point, was it to lose him uh, in the money you did with their, them scoring straight away and having to change the pack at half time? Yeah, it's, you never want to lose any players. You know, Luca and and Shane Killock have, have got a good partnership back there with two clean sheets in the last two games so you, n- you never want to lose players a bad tackle on him that led to him having to be, be removed from the pitch um, unbelievably not given us a foul You know, we, we made a change at, at half time and straight after that we had to make another one so it did disrupt us uh, n- never could get any sort of fluency going forward and really create much in the second half but up until late on when, when they were, were chasing the game we, you know, other than the set piece they didn't have too much either but Disappointing. I think you know things have gone against us, but you know at, at the same time, I don't think enough of our players were, were near to what they needed to be to, in order to get as a result. And you, you bounce back next Saturday in the league against Kidderminster Harriers. How much of a big game is that going to be at the Horsefell next Saturday? Yeah, second second against third, won't it? So it's a big game, and, and obviously one that we'll we'll look forward to. One of the best teams in the league um, coming to our place. So we've just got to make sure that 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 we um, you know assess the injuries that we got this week, and and you know get everyone uh, out there next weekend with with knowing the jobs and what we expect them to do, and, and hopefully we can um, you know get back to winning ways because we've, we've had a good couple of results over the last couple of weeks. The people who are listening in who live in the Leeds area, Bradford area, have not nothing to do next Saturday to come down to the Orsfeld then for a great game of football? Yeah, two teams that like to get it down and, and, and play and obviously it's non-league day next next week as well. So um, you know we've been gradually just, just creeping up with it with our attendances over the uh, over the past couple of years that I've been at the club and, and hopefully we can get a good turnout for that game. Last season playoff semi finals this year sitting comfortable in third. What's the secret to your success at Bradford then? We've got you know, a good, good, honest group of hard-working players with, with some some decent quality. We know we're not one of the bigger clubs in in the league, and um, you know we, we 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 expect the players that we've got to give us everything that they've got. They do that. Um, not 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 shown the true quality that we've got on enough occasions. I don't think so far this season. Certainly, think there's more to come from from this group of players. Just just keep keep that work ethic, keep working hard, be organised, and um, and that, that's what we've done for the last couple of years. You know to to get to the point that we are but you know no no plaudits are given out in October with third because we've had some decent form over the first couple of months of the season we've got to you know maintain and improve the standards that we've set in order to to you know stay anywhere near that position and you think being one of the uh, potentially smaller clubs in the division do you think that gives you an advantage because when people make their predictions at the start of the season even now they go well we, we won't Bradford Park Avenue up there you know you, you go for the Stockports the Darlington's even FC United and Manchester possibly yeah possibly you know uh, even last season, you know, we were pushing for the place, and I think uh, one or two people didn't fancy us to, to get in even at a late stage. So, um, yeah, we like proving people wrong. We did, we did that last season. I think we were um, the joint favourites to finish bottom of the league last season. So, to do what we did was was very good. Obviously, we're pleased with the league position that we're in uh, so far this season. Um, but we know that if you you know if you start patting yourselves on the back at this level, um, teams will uh, take advantage of that and 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 put you in your place. So, um, we just got to keep going keep working hard plugging you know going in the right direction as we have been doing and over over long term you know today's a disappointment but if we keep doing the right things over a long period of time then we'll we'll, we'll do okay 
I know it's a long way off, but if Bradford were to get into the National League, how much of an achievement will be for the club and the uh, the uh, people behind the scenes? I think ultimately this football club, it used to be a, a football league club and um, you know they're trying to build an infrastructure, academy and um, you know training facilities and, and, and improve the ground in order to you know to pu- push up the, up the levels at the minute. Are we ready to play in the National League? Um, possibly not, but you know those improvements are, are going on as, as we speak behind the scenes to, to like I say, improve the club and, and long term you know the, the aim is to, to keep on progressing and pushing up. Okay, thank you, Mark, and all the best for the rest of the season. Thank you. So another upset, although would you call it an upset at the minute, is FC United. They lost at home to Witten Albion, who finished with... FC United finished with eight men, so they had three players sent off. Have you ever been at a game, Alex, where three players have been sent off on the same side in the same game? Uh, I don't think I have. I think I've seen... I've been at plenty of games where two players have, have, have gone. I've, I've seen nine men on the pitch. Um, I, I think I went to one game where nine men on the, were on the pitch of either side at the end of the game but I don't think three I've never seen three players go I have actually read a few reports this year there was a game recently where four players were sent off um, I can't quite put my finger on what that game was but it was it was earlier this season Witten Albion FC United losing there yesterday you go down to eight, eight men I don't care who you are you're not going to win that game of football no. um, so yeah it's, it's a bizarre one that and, and a crazy one but no I've never seen uh, I think I think two players uh, sent off from one team is my personal record bizarre game I'd love to see the highlights of that one and one thing we always love chatting about on here is when National League ta- North and South teams go up against each other which leagues are strongest now the North has come out on top on in most games over the past few years but Hereford they've uh, they've taken on Welling United and, and got beaten at home by uh, Steve King's Welling United which meant the South came up on top well, but what do you make of the situation again at Hereford I know you, I saw you do a, a tweet the other week I think Peter Beadle lost 13 games in his whole tenure there and um, they've tried mm-hmm. to go down a different route they've brought in Tim Harris as director of football and they've recruited ex-Gloucester City manager Mark Richards this week uh, what do you make of it all? Well I'll be honest with you I'm not too I haven't got too much of an opinion on the, on the recruitment this week of Richards I, I wish the, the new regime there all, all the best I, I'm, I have very very strong feelings about the, the, the sacking of Peter Beadle I think it's, I think the way it was conducted first and foremost by telephone was really poor and a terrible way to treat a man who has stuck by that club and won three promotions on the spin and, and has such an incredible winning record as he does there. And you know what, Luke, it goes back to what you were talking about before, about clubs' aspirations. Now, we know Hereford, being a former football league mm-hmm. club and having the, the, the gates and the fans they get at Acre Street and, and, and the means and, and where they want to go we know that they're serious and they've got aspirations that eventually um, I've no doubt whether it be three years six years ten years they will get back into the football league but what do these clubs want do they just think that they can have instant success do they just think that they can just blitz through the non-league pyramid going from step five four three they can just walk into the National League North walk into someone's back garden and take the furniture. It doesn't work like that. This is just pound for pound, the National League North, and people will probably laugh at this, but pound for pound, I think it's the toughest division in English football. Mm. It's obviously nowhere near the strongest, of course it's not, but I'm talking pound for pound, club for club, like for like, it's such a tough division. And for for the Hereford board, to think they can just waltz through that league is, is ludicrous. And... I think when they'd sacked Beadle, I, I, I'm not sure, I think they'd lost three games. 
Now, the three games they'd lost, I know two of those games were away at Brackley and Chorley. Yeah. Brackley and Chorley. I don't know what these clubs expect. And I remember speaking to Peter Beadle last year after Hereford were named the Step 3 Club of the Year at our National Game Awards. And I said to him, I said, Peter, does there come a stage where even a club like Hereford who have, who have the means and the, and the aspirations to get back into the Football League, which you will do no doubt at Sunday, some stage, but does there come a stage where you just need to consolidate for a season and sit in? And he looked at me and he went, well, you'd think so. And what he was, almost, what he was saying was, that's what I think we should do. But the board just want instant success. And just, they'll, they'll see that the, fan, that the gates have dropped a little bit because of the poor results. Well, football fans are fickle. Yeah. Football fans keep on coming to games when you keep on winning games, but you can't just keep winning games of football every week. And I, I, I'm, I'm really disappointed with the way it's been handled uh, and the way Hereford showed Peter the door. I, I think he deserved far more respect. And I think Hereford needs to be careful. I think they need to be careful what they wish for because this season could slip away from them uh, in, in a bad way. And I don't wish any ill will on the club, I really don't, but I think you've got to be very careful what you wish for and very, very careful uh, you know, how you go about your business. The likes of Chorley, the likes of Chester, Kidderminster, they, they are not afraid of Hereford. They, they don't, they're, they're not going to worry about going to Wedgar Street or welcoming Hereford to their grounds, whereas last year and the year before and the year before, when Hereford rolled into town, it was a bit daunting for a lot of clubs. But that's not the case this season. They're just, you know, they're in, they're in a big pond with other big fish. So um, yeah, it's look, it's a tough one. And like I said, I do feel feel for for, for Peter Beadle, and um, they're out of the cup, and I guess now they can focus on the league. But it's going to be a very tough season for them. It really will. Yeah, and just before we let you go, we, we we're focusing our step three club this week is Workington. But in terms of step three itself, Alex, I mean, which clubs have impressed you from around the step three? sector around the country um, well Weymouth and, and, and Kettering in, in, in the Southern League they are you know, really strong you look at, you look at the, the Northern Premier Division and I'm looking at Warrington and I'm looking at South Shields South Shields this week have made a real statement as well they've effectively said listen we, we we're no bones about it make no bones we want to be playing in the Football League. Mm. South Shields are averaging gates of 1,500 fans at Step 3. I think that's fantastic. And that, for me, is a, a little bit like Hereford from where they've come from, pulling in a lot of fans from Sunderland and Middlesbrough uh, and a great catchment area for football. What they're doing is they've, won, they've, they've promoted from Step 5 all the way through to Step 3. They won the FA Vars a couple of years ago. And, and they are just working their way through the league. But I think they've got a target in mind to get into the football league and I think they'll do it in a certain way where the club will stick together they'll keep the fans on board I like what's going on there I think that's a fantastic club um, I mean I think they won 5-0 against Grantham one of their promotional rivals mm. they'll be such a tough side and I can see them moving on but the likes of Weymouth and Kettering in the Southern Premier really good sides the team that surprised me has probably been Tunbridge Angels in the Bostick Premier um, uh, yeah, it's a really, really tough division to, to get out of too. But yeah, Kettering, Weymouth, and South Shields, those are three clubs that would certainly grace the, the National League Step Two next season um, if they get promoted, which I think they probably can do. And as I mentioned, this week's Step Three focus is on Workington. 
Wilkinson played in the Evo Stick Premier Division. He played a whole matches at Borough Park, which currently has a capacity of 3,101. They're often referred to as the Wilkinson Reds because red being its home colour, a lot of people get it mixed up with the rugby league side. They do have a long history though. They were in a football league for a long time during the 50s and 60s and were managed by people such as Bill Shankly. You may well have heard of him. And they also had John Burridge playing for them. He went on to make over a thousand league appearances. The early football league years of workers in red are chronicled in a series of books entitled So Sad, So Very Sad, the league history of workers in ASC part one between 1951 and 58, part two 1958-64 and part three 1964-65. Defender Bobby Brown is a current record holder for Workington. All of Brown's 469 appearances were during the period that Workington were in the football league. However, Kyle May has recently re-signed for the club and he currently stands on 430 league appearances so he may well pass that record soon so to find out more about the history of Workington and, and what their aspirations are for this season I caught up with BBC Radio Cumbria and Workington correspondent John Walsh so I'm here with a man who's been watching uh, Workington so I think since the time began it is a <laughs> time began in 1953 it did indeed uh, BBC Radio Cumbria's John Walsh and John I went through a brief history of uh, Workington before and obviously you were in the Football League many years ago and were you, were you watching them then when they were in the Football League oh yeah they joined the Football League in 1951 and uh, my dad took me for my first game in 1953 playing Oldham Athletic the team was then but player manager was George Hardwick former England international Errol Flynn lookalike that was my first game we'd finished 1-1 couldn't tell anything about the game except the fact that there was a budgerigar loose in the stand it flew from one end to the other end in the first half and don't know what happened to it in the second half it was a blue one as well but uh, that was the only thing I remember about my first game but it must have been a struck a chord somewhere because I'm a ever since have you read the book it's a sad sad thing I was just mentioning it before yes I mean that, yeah. that was that was uh, it, it, that was done by uh, Martin he did a book on Barrow to start with and then he moved to Workington yeah. got involved with Workington and uh, he, he, he did that was an excellent one as well and he did a few uh, monthly magazines as well which were all very very good uh, all covering the, the history of the Reds one thing about Workington is you seem to have that core of players who stay here for years and then when they finish playing they become manager or coach don't they yeah or they come back <laughs> like <laughs> Kyle May who's our record appearance player retired uh, and, and took the Penrith job last season saved them from relegation uh, it hasn't gone well from this season and uh, on Saturday we, we're going back on, on the bus from Baseford we got we got the word that he'd, uh, he'd left Penrith over the weekend he, he re-signed for Workington he, he's an incredible player who's, who's been great servant to this club I think they brought him back just to try and get some, some experience into the side you know the problems this season have been well documented we've had five you would say first team players missing really two of them are back now playing but one of them isn't fully fit four of them had hernia operations and another's had a knee operation Dave Symington he won't be back till Christmas two of them have had hernia operations and are now back in the side but two more are waiting for hernia operations and those were all five good lads who were first team players and I think that's added to our problems something in the air in Cumbria clearly (laughs) well well, you've been up at Borough Park Luke you know what the ground was like the pitch was like it was so heavy uh, last uh, you know the last few years actually that's been blamed you know the fact that they're playing Mm. on these heavy grounds all the time and it it 
the fact that four of them needed hernia yeah. operations after one season, it, 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 it suggested there might be something in it. Talking of the last few years, you, you've been kind of nearly men, haven't you? I've seen two seasons ago you lost at Salford, whatever happened to them, I'm not sure. And mm. then um, you kind of flirted with the playoffs the last couple of seasons. This is probably your first season where you've, you've got up to a slow start and you're having a sticky patch. Well, to be quite honest, Luke, we, 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 when we were three years in a row, we, we, we got there, you know, to the, to the playoff semi-final and um, then the final, as you say, with Salford. Uh, great years. Uh, and then last season, we were flying up to Christmas. We were lying second last Christmas. Yeah. Uh, then we got that run in the FA Trophy. Uh, which took us through to almost to the quarterfinals. We lost at Bromley. Matches have been cancelled. Yeah. Games were off. And at the end of the season, the last month was horrendous. We had so many games, so many matches, uh, and too few players. Yeah. And that's why you know we fell away and, and finished halfway. Plans in the pipeline to get a community stadium, isn't it, for the rugby team and the football team to share? I mean, Borough Park's been there for donkey's years, hasn't it? Well, since you've been formed, I suppose, hasn't it? And Not, uh, since 1938. Yeah. Our original, our original ground was the dog track Lonsdale Park which was next to it which is not there anymore yeah. it's been it's been uh, it's been derelict and knocked down I mean my father was taken there as a young boy by my my grandfather my grandfather yeah. uh, who was born in Accrington was an Accrington fan moved up to Cumbria yeah. Took my Cumberland as it was then. Yeah. Took my dad to Lonsdale Park to see Workington against Preston, fourth round of the FA Cup. Yeah. We were the first non-league side to get to that far in in the FA Cup. Lost to Preston, uh, and and my dad then you know got involved and he he, he took me in and, and so it goes on. Uh, so we've been at Borough Park since uh, since just before the, before the war, uh, and it's time now for a, for a change. So there was a manager called John Walsh. That wasn't you, was it? Back in the the eighties. It was. Now that's another. Was it? it wow. Because you're on Wikipedia as being a former manager. Thank you. That, that's very good. Yeah. Uh, caretaker manager. Caretaker manager. Really? Yeah, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, Chris, um, Chris is gone. Chris Pratt's here as well, and he's gone. I think he started that a surprise. It was. Uh, I was. I've been a journalist since 1963, covering Workington uh, since 1967. I'd got the wind that Mick Heaton, ex-Blackburn Rovers yeah. fullback, um, had got the sack. So I rang the chairman on the morning, looking for the story for the paper that night. And we, uh, he confirmed it, got my story. And I said, oh, by the way, I said, uh, uh, Colin, who's picking the team for tomorrow night? He says, we rather hoped you would. <laughs> so I, I, got, I got charge of the team to go to Accrington. Accrington were top of the league and, uh, and we were uh, next to bottom. And uh, when I first arrived at the ground, first man to greet me was uh, Derek Fazakali. Blackburn Rovers legend yeah. uh, who said sorry John nothing personal but Mick Heaton brought me to the club but I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm finished now yeah. uh, then Brian Gardner ex-Blackpool and, and Preston uh, he said I've got a tight hamstring you know but to be fair to him he, he did give a little help in the, in the dressing room so we, we, we got beat 4-2 against Accrington and it was what Walsh out after that was it <laughs> <laughs> no, well no, not, not quite but not, not long after that at the end of the game I said to the chairman are, are you nearly are you nearly uh, got somebody in place yeah. to take over he said well no can you just hold the reins just a little bit longer now my editor at the Times and Star yeah. didn't like it right he says how can you interview yourself Walsh <laughs> I says well We'll manage it, you know. <laughs> so we, we, we did, and the next game was at Harrogate. We, we did quite well actually at Harrogate, but we lost two-one. Yeah. You know. So after the game, have you got a manager? Oh no, just one more game, Walshie. Yeah. Well, I says, righto. 
uh, and that was on the following Tuesday and blow me at home to Accrington Stanley again <laughs> top of the league we, we were abysmal that was the worst show we got beat 3-0 and after the game I said to Colin have you got anybody he says yes Les O'Neill former Carlisle United and you're relieved of your duties I was relieved relieved to be relieved of my duty <laughs> finally how do you think Workington will do this year as a slow, slow start do you think they can mm. push towards the playoffs or do you think mid-table's best they can hope for well, I said this actually before the ball was kicked. I think mid-table is the best we can ask for this season because of because of the situation with five experienced good players missing. We brought two or three ones in who who were decent, but if we're our full squad, I think we'd be competing, no doubt, no doubt. I'll be quite honest with you, Luke. I haven't seen a good team this season against us, and that's not being yeah. disrespectful or anything. I haven't seen a good team this season. Yeah. So, so uh, Hyde going to produce something special tonight? Maybe, hopefully. John, uh, thank you very much. <laughs> I can tell you that Hyde didn't really do anything. It finished nil-nil in that game. The interview was probably more exciting than the game itself, but Workington did draw nil-nil with Kidsgrove in the FA Cup on Saturday. And they face a replay on Wednesday evening to see if they can get through to the fourth qualifying round. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us, Alex, and... Uh, Enjoy the rest of your day and we look forward to reading the this weekend's non-league paper and also the future editions, of course. Cheers, Luke. Pleasure. So that is all for this week. Thank you for joining us. If you want to follow us, it's at NLFullTime on Twitter. Drop us a comment as well. You can email us nlfulltime at gmail.com and we're also on Facebook, NLFullTime. Thank you all for joining us and we shall be back soon. Happy football watching and join us next week.